Welcome to Christ Infinity Church Podcast. This is Pastor Eladio Espinosa, and we're going to go ahead and jump into this new topic about why does a good God allow evil to exist? Now, this question has been brought up not only with Christians, but um, and non-believers as well. They just everybody has this question, you know, why does a good God allow evil to exist? So let's kind of jump in this topic. There are three points that I actually really want to focus on today. There's probably tons more, but these are the three that I I think that could really start opening your mind and open your heart to a loving, merciful God versus a God you want to just not zap people to death or kill people or just, you know, extinguish these people. But it will give you a new thought process that could change your way of thinking about him and start appreciating him a little bit more. So uh, these are the three things that really stood out in praying and looking at scripture to see why does a good God allow evil to exist. One of the first reasons why is because no one would exist if we use that measure. And I guess you'll say, well, what is that measure? Uh, the measure of if somebody does an evil action, then people need to be terminated. With sin, it's not one big sin or a little sin. It's just sin. You know, if you lied, you sin. You kill, you sin. You know, you commit adultery, you sin. Even unbelief is sin. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that affect a lot of people. So if you just said, hey, for the murderer, let's go ahead and wipe him out because he's not doing what God wants him to do. Then you do the same thing to the liar or a thief and then so on and so on. So if we went on that basis alone, then nobody would exist. The only good person that could ever exist is going to be God. Matthew 19, 17 said, so he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. So we already see that there's no, nobody that's good. The only good person is God. So if you said by that thought process, then nobody would be here. Another thing, another point that I want to point out that is in Romans chapter 3, 9 through 11, it goes as follows. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are under sin. As written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understand. There is none who seek after God. So if we're trying to, you know, extinguish evil or eliminate evil, then essentially we'll have to eliminate everything. That's not God, because only God is truly good. Now, before you tune off, there are some other things that we can put into this factor as well. One of the things that we don't put in a factor when we deal with people and being evil and doing things that we don't think is right is the fact that God sees these people and then he believes they can change. In the book of Jonah, which I know everybody kind of know Jonah uh, because, you know, Jonah was stuck in the belly of a, a great fish or a whale, whichever one your translations say. So let's look at Jonah chapter one and what he said to Jonah. And we will go ahead and start in verse two. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. And cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So in the instance of where we want God to go ahead and make a judgment call on them, 
he decides not to. He decides to give them a chance. I know most people say that would be what kind of gracious, right? That he just doesn't go and wipe them out, but he actually gives them a chance. And in this matter, he goes and uses Jonah. Now, obviously, if you read the story or, you know, this is the first time hearing it, you'll say, man, you know, according to our standard, Jonah, Jonah was going to get extinguished too or get removed because he didn't want to do it at first, right? Uh, and he had a reason why, of course. But in this case, uh, he tried to he tried to flee from God's presence, right? And then, of course, you know, this is where God prepared the storm. And then, you know, the people realized that Jonah was the one. Or actually, Jonah told them that he's the reason why this is happening. And he told them to throw him off the ship. And now he's in the, the belly of the whale or the belly of the big fish, whatever one you prefer, um, as far as your uh, translation says, for three days and three nights. That's an interesting factor. It's kind of make, kind of makes it a little bit easier to do what God tells us to do, right? But we look at him and we see that, you know, he, God could have killed these wicked people, right? But he decides not to. And he goes and tells Jonah to go ahead and go ahead and talk. So the amazing thing when you read the story is about what the people response was. So we look on Jonah just in that third chapter. It says that, so the people of Nineveh believed and proclaimed a fast and put on sack from the greatest to the least of them. So it wasn't like, you know, they just resented it. They actually believed the words that Jonah were telling them. And they decided to go from the, the greatest to the least. He even said on verse six that the word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe and covered himself with sackcloth and set in ashes. And as a response to this, it said on verse 10 that then God saw their works that they turned from their evil ways and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them. So he gave somebody the opportunity to change. Now, that kind of started changing your opinion about, you know, what you want God to do to towards these evil people, right? Because at the end of the day, that evil person could be us, you know, because we, you know, come short of the glory of God or it can be somebody else's. And it's just saying that God gives a moment where you can actually change. He comes and try to talk to you. Instead of just killing you, he comes out here and he, he, he brings you an opportunity to change. And when you start looking at it that way, you start saying, wow, man, this is a good God, right? <laughs> you'll see, you'll see the, the actual analogy of how good he really is. The last point I want to make um, just in this uh, series is that the reason why God doesn't just eliminate evil like we want him to do is because it actually is in scripture, believe it or not, it is. The believers might stop believing. And you'll say, what? I've never seen that probably. Or you might have seen it here or there. But the believers will actually be affected on this move. He decides to do it in the wrong time. So let's look at it and see where this is coming from. It actually comes from Matthew chapter 13, uh, 24 through 30. And then again, it keeps going on from 36 to 32. And this actually is the parable of the wheats and the tares. Even though I have no earthly idea about this parable, I will give you a little bit of background before we go into the discussion a little bit. And they, he was talking about these two types of people, the, the wheat, the wheat or the righteous people that will, will inherit the kingdom of God. And then the tares, right, are the wicked people, which are the ones that the devil sown. And these are the people that offend God or they are practicing lawlessness. And to be an offense for those who just don't know what offense is, is to upset, ignore, or be resentful towards God. That's the definition for it. 
if you didn't know. So, and of course, everybody knows the heaven and hell. As far as the ones who follow Jesus Christ goes to heaven, the ones who don't, they go to hell. So we already know that narrative already. But what's that to do with the believers getting pulled? Well, he says something very interesting in Matthew 13, 28 through 29. And that was this. He said to them, an enemy has done this. Uh, the servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, at least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. So it's like, wait a minute. If you go and go ahead and take up these tares, you you also might uproot the wheat with them. And you can say, well, you know, we can actually kind of see that, right? So if you see that if God took judgment on somebody's mother, you know, dad, child, friend, wife, husband, and the person that was really close to them, right? And they didn't understand. They could literally be wiped away, you know? In some cases, we see that sometimes. But but in this case, if done at the wrong timing, right, then it might ruin the weed. And God knows that. God knows us better than we know ourselves. Everybody kind of really understand that when you go through these situations. So when we look at it, God knows us so well that he knows a timing to do certain things. So I hope this is these three ideas and or these three perspectives really start challenging what you really think about God and now your new view of him, now that you're seeing that he doesn't have to do what we think he needs to do to take care of the situation. You know, there's tons of ways he can take care of it, but understanding him a little bit more definitely will either A, you know, bring you to the knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ, where you can actually have a relationship with him. And if you do have one, it can inspire you to grow in that even more. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next time, for the grace of God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ be upon you and enjoy the rest of this day. Thank you.